Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. It was the Monday before Christmas, and Gordon Nelson was on top of the world. What's his name? Gordon Nelson, and he was on top of the world. Now, as was his custom during lunchtime, he would buy the paper, and he would take the paper with him back to his desk at work, and he would sit down and catch a couple of the headlines from the paper. Let me see here. A crash course in racial disparities. Obama supports draft registration for women. Trump kicks off thank you tour in Ohio and Indiana. Mm. Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz to step down again. And so as he's reading through the different headlines and making, making reading through the different sections, and he read a few of the funnies, uh, that was what he liked. And as he was making his way to the favorite section of the newspaper, can you imagine what that section was? Sports section, that was his favorite section. But as he was making his way through the different sections of the newspaper, there was a picture that caught his attention with a headline that read, Family of 13 Facing Hard Luck Christmas. Family of 13 Facing Hard Luck Christmas. The picture showed Augustus de Aquino, aged 46, slumped in a chair surrounded by his wife, Maria, and their 11 children, ranging from, ranging from six months to 13 years. Now, there was nothing remarkable about Augustus de Aquino, um, except that both of his legs were propped up on a footstool. And both his legs were wrapped in a cast. Gordon also noticed the gaping cracks in the plaster on the wall and cotton hanging out from the torn places in the chair and patches on the children's clothing. Now, the story explained that Diaquino was a building foreman who suddenly lost his job. Bewildered and flustered, he blundered into the path of an oncoming truck and he broke both his legs. And then to top it all off, they were about to be evicted from their home. But he kept, he kept reading there the article, and uh, the reporter noticed how um, the Diaquino children had told the reporter what they wanted for Christmas. And so Joseph, the oldest, he was 13, Joseph, the oldest, he wanted a clarinet for Christmas. Joseph Diaquino, 13 years old, wanted a clarinet for Christmas. That's what this is here. What does a clarinet sound like? Don't laugh. came out pretty good. 
This is actually my sister's, and I picked it up here in Michigan, and uh, I just actually pulled it out yesterday and started practicing that. I'll stop while I'm ahead because uh, there's actually a whole kind of terrible noises that I make with this instrument, and so since I really didn't make any, I'll stop while I'm ahead. Joseph D'Aquino wanted a clarinet for Christmas, and then as Gordon Nelson kept reading, then there uh, there was Margarita, the oldest daughter. She was 12. And Margarita, she wanted a manicure set for Christmas. Manicure set. Now, what's, what's a manicure set all about? Uh, the truth is that before this story, I had no idea what a manicure set was. Um, when I asked the individual to bring the manicure set, I said, make sure it has brushes and makeup and, and um, you know, in, in a mirror. And they told me, what do you think a manicure set is? <laughs> That's not a manicure set. So I said, well, I don't know. And so, but little Margarita, she wanted a manicure set. Let's see what, what's in a manicure set. Little files, right? How many of you have a manicure set? You've seen a manicure set? Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Take care of your fingernails and, and your nails. And um, let me see here. So it has little files and it has some, some cotton, I guess. And, and then it also has, let me see here. What's, what else is in this manicure set? Uh, let me see here. Help me here. Help me here. What's in this manicure set? What else is here? All right, this is it here. Now, I hope this is the color purple. I'm not sure if it is or not. But uh, purple does go with our theme. You know, little, little old margarita. Want a little manicure. Manicure. What do you, what do, you do? Well, well, well. Do you think I can make it as a, as a manicurist? Look, my hands are shaking and everything. Little margarita. I hope it's uh, instant dry, right? Margarita, 13, 12. She wanted a manicure set. Joseph, what did Joseph want? Clarinet. That's right. Margarita wanted a manicure set. And then he kept reading, and then there was John D'Aquino. John D'Aquino was 11 years old, and all John D'Aquino wanted was a basketball, a basketball for Christmas. And so on and on went the list, and, and uh, Gordon kept reading the list, and finally he came to little, little old uh, Augustus Jr., who was three years old. And the only thing Augustus Jr. wanted for Christmas was to see Santa Claus. Santa Claus. That's all he wanted to see. Just see Santa Claus. And so Gordon is making his way, reading about this, about this family, but he's not touched at it by all. He's not touched by it at all. These things are kind of common during Christmas. And then as he's reading a little bit more about the story, he remembered that he and his wife, Christina, actually had a fund for cases like these. Typically at the beginning of the year, he and Christina would budget out a certain amount of money that they would use to give to a charitable cause. And so now it was the end of the year and he had already sent his money, but he was thinking, well, maybe I can take some money and just deduct it from next year's budget. And so typically what they would do is they would decide how much for these purposes. And during the year, they would mail in their check to whatever charitable campaign they had decided to support that year. And then they never gave another thought about it. Just, oh, they need money, Salvation Army, write out the check, send it in the mail, and it's off. Never think about it ever again. It was a system that they had, and it worked for them. But, of course, they always expected that little pin, right, or that little knick-knack or that little bumper sticker that would come in the mail as a thank you saying that they had been supported financially by them. Gordon, as he continues 
to read through the, look at the picture a little bit more, studying it a little bit more. He thought of his own plans for Christmas. And see, he had a special gift in store for his own son, his son Timmy. Gordon had been wanting to give his son Timmy a bicycle for Christmas. Now he had already given a deposit, uh, taken him a long time to save up for this at $550 for a bicycle. That's a, a bit much, so he had been saving, saving for it for a while. Um, but he had given everything. He had given $450 already. And so at the department store, there was a yellow tag on the bicycle with his name on it, Gordon Nelson, balance due $100. So he started thinking about his own son, Timmy, about the gift that he wanted to to give to his son, Timmy, he realized, wow, Timmy's 11 years old, and I'm going to purchase him a bicycle for $450, and then little John DeQuino, who's also 11 years old, all he wants is a basketball. My son, Timmy, I'm spending $550 for a bicycle, but little John DeQuino just wants a basketball. So he continued to study the picture some more. What would you do in that case? Hmm. Hmm. Bicycle, $550. All I have left is $100. But Augustus de Quino, family of 13, could it be possible that I might be able to help them? And so quickly, Gordon took out his pen. He got the address from Augustus de Aquino that was written there in the paper, Mr. Augustus de Aquino, 2864 Gage Avenue. And then he started composing a letter, and he started writing, Dear Mr. de Aquino, Enclosed is some money. How much money do you think he sent him? Pulled out his wallet, looked to see what he had. Ten dollars? Oh, I don't know. A dollar? No. A hundred dollars. He took out from his wallet a hundred dollars. He took out the paper, paper clip and he attached it to the, to the letter here. Dear Mr. Diaquino, enclosed is some money to be used however you see fit. We hope you have a Merry Christmas. No, no, right? No, we hope you have a Merry Christmas. No, let's scratch that. Christmas wishes Gordon Nelson. How does that sound? That sounds good. He folded up the letter with the money enclosed, the $100 bill. He put the letter in the envelope. Oh, that's not how you guys do it? <laughs> Sealed the envelope, 
took out a stamp. I've been doing it like that since I was a kid. <laughs> took out a stamp, put the stamp on the letter, and then he put the letter right there by his lamp on the desk. Shortly thereafter, Mrs. Newton knocked on his door. Gordon, uh, yes, Mr. Dunn wants to see you in his office. Mr. Dunn was Gordon's boss. So uh, Gordon says, sure. So he goes and he goes to Mr. Dunn's office and um, Gordon worked for uh, Smith and Dunn Advertising Agency. Uh, Gordon was the one who would design and write up the ads and, and um, for, you know, for companies and so make advertisement for the companies. And so he spent a little time there with Mr. Dunn chit-chatting about the different accounts that he was working on and, and how his ads had been successful. And then after a little bit, uh, Mr. Dunn says, uh, Gordon, um, you've been one of the most productive workers we've had here. Um, and what I'm about to tell you, I, I don't want you to take it personally. I don't want you to take it as an assessment of your productivity, but I'm clearing the decks for the new year, and so we've decided to let you go. I hate to do it naturally, Gordon. You've, I'm grateful for everything that you've done. You've, you've had a wonderful track record here. All the companies that you've designed ads for have gone on to become very productive, but we're going to have to get along here with cheaper men, with less experienced men. See, the economy's down. We just can't afford to pay you what we pay you. I, I hope you understand, and Gordon, here's your final check. With that, Gordon walked back to his office, and he's looking down at the check that was given to him, Smith & Dunn Advertising Agency. He takes a look at the envelope, and there's his final check, Gordon Nelson, $211 and 36 cents. And of that $211 and 36 cents, a hundred of that was to pay for the bicycle that was due for his son Timmy. And so he walks back to his office and then he looks at the lamp and there's that envelope there. That envelope that's accusing him, that envelope that is tempting him to become reckless. That envelope is just there, and he picks up this envelope, and he says, how foolish it would be for me to send this envelope. I've just been fired. I can't afford to send this to the Diaquinos. Uh, what about my family? Uh, I have to take care of them first, don't I? My family first before strangers? My son Timmy? before the son of another stranger. And as he's contemplating these things, he puts his finger under the flap. And then he stops. And he says, no. No, I can't do it. Sure, I've just been fired, but uh, tomorrow I'll go out. I'll find myself a job. And, and, and you never know. why. It's kind of bad luck to stop something that you've started. So, uh, no, I'm going to hold on to the letter. Put the letter in his pocket. I'm going to hold on to this letter, and um, I'll mail it tomorrow. So Gordon came back home that evening, and he told his wife, Christina, that he had lost his, his job. And Christina, being the good wife that she was, she understood. It's no problem. But Gordon didn't tell her about the envelope in his pocket. Now, you see, that envelope was something between 
him alone. Yes, he had lost his job, and that loss of his job was a crisis that they both shared, but the letter, the letter was his alone. That letter was something far more personal than he had dreamed of when he had written it. You see, there in his hands, he held the Diaquino's Christmas in his pocket. Something more. It was a matter of honor for Gordon. And so he asked Christina, Christina, do you think that we should cut down on Christmas this year? And then Gordon looked into his living room and he saw the Christmas tree there covered in lights and in tinsel. Do you remember those days when Christmas trees were covered in tinsel? Christina, should we cut down on Christmas this year? And as he was looking at that Christmas tree, Gordon wondered, do you think the Diaquinos have a tree in their home this year? Do you think the Diaquinos will be evicted from their home or not this year? Do you think the Diaquinos will have enough money to, to, to pay the electric bill so that it's not turned off? And so as he's looking at this, he tells Christina, Christina, I don't think we should cut down on Christmas. I think that we should have Christmas with all its trimmings. Inwardly wondering whether he would have felt that way if he had not written the letter. I mean, it's funny how life changes things, isn't it? You know, just, just a, a half a day before, he was on top of the world. And now he had, been, he had been fired and had no money. It's funny how things can change so rapidly. Inwardly, he was wondering whether he would have felt that way if he had not written that letter and put that money in that envelope. The moment he had clipped the money to the letter, something had happened to him. And that something seemed far more important now. You see, this letter committed him to Christmas. So what do you think, Gordon? So what do you think, Gordon asked his wife, Christina? How about just having Christmas with all its trimmings? And Christina said, well, it would be a shame to disappoint Timmy. He's been waiting an awful long time for that bicycle. Timmy. Ah, yes, Timmy, Gordon thought. Oh, he hadn't been thinking about Timmy. All he had been thinking about was disappointing the Diaquinos. Oh, Christmas seemed to begin with the Diaquinos. Everything was about the Diaquinos now in his mind, not about his home. That traditional peace on earth, goodwill toward men, it seemed to be sealed in an envelope in his pocket. He wondered if he could explain that to Christina, but he knew what his wife would say. It's what every good wife says. Honey, you're making way too much of that letter. Oh, is that true? Is that true? All of this wouldn't be important if he hadn't lost his job. No, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll go downtown, I'll make the rounds, I'll pay what's due on Timmy's bike, but first I'll mail the letter. And so now what day was, of the week was it? Tuesday. It was Tuesday. And so on Tuesday he went out, but Tuesday only brought more discouragement. No one gave him the time of day. No one even so much as showed an interest in hiring him. And so at 4 p.m. he stood by the mailbox outside the department store. And he looked at the letter, Mr. Augustus D'Aquino, 2864 Cage Avenue. As he was standing there next to the mailbox, he said, come on, Gordon, come on. Either you mail it or you forget about it. Make up your mind. It's time to face the facts. Committed or not, Gordon, 
just can't afford to be your brother's keeper this year. But if I can't afford to be my brother's keeper this year and send him $100, then I also can't afford to spend $100 on a bicycle for my son, Timmy? Hmm. Put the letter back inside his pocket. He went back to the department store manager and after wrangling with him a little bit, he asked for his deposit back and the manager gave him his money back and and instead of buying a bicycle, he took that money and he bought Timmy a basketball. At least John DeQuino would have been happy with that, right? So he goes back home. He tells Christina, Christina, I just, I just couldn't do it. I, it's, not a, it's not the year for the bicycle, Christina. It's not the year for the bicycle. And um, I know Timmy's been looking forward to that bicycle since he was six and he's 11 now. And, and the truth is I'd rather take a beating than tell Timmy... His wife said, well, you know, Gordon, don't, don't underestimate Timmy. You know, just be honest with him and, and tell him the truth. And so, having heard that, Gordon comes and calls Timmy inside, and they sit down in the living room, and Gordon tells Timmy, Timmy, son, I've, I've lost my job. I lost my job, and uh, I'm not able to buy that bicycle that you want this year. And Timmy said, well... It's okay, Dad. Don't worry about it. Um, in fact, Dad, w- what I'd rather do is, is get a job myself and, and, and buy my own bicycle. Wow, how does that sound? You know, what kid says that? Today, you tell a kid you can't buy them and, and uh, can't buy them what you promised, and what do they do? <laughs> start crying, start making a oh, kind of racket on the noise, and then you can film it and then send it to Jimmy Kimmel and he can show it to the world. Um, but Timmy, what a good kid. It's okay, Dad. Don't, don't worry about it. I'd, uh, I'd rather get a job myself and buy my own bicycle. What a great kid. And so early the following morning, Wednesday at 6 a.m., Christina comes rushing in the room yelling, Gordon, Gordon, Timmy's gone. Timmy's gone. He's, he's run away. And Gordon said, what? Are, are you sure? She's like, yeah, come, 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 come take a look. He left a, he left a note on the, on the kitchen table. It said, dear Dad and Mom, don't worry about me. I'll be all right to me. You know, so Gordon said, well, Christina, hold on a sec here. I mean, you know, last night he did mention about going and, and getting a job and, 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 you know, to be able to buy his own bicycle. Let's just, let's just give Timmy a little bit of time. And so they waited there that morning. Uh, but around noon, they still hadn't heard any news from Timmy. So at that time, they got a little worried. They got on the phone. They started calling everyone they knew. Have you seen Timmy? Uh, where, where's Timmy? They called his friends. They, no one had seen Timmy. And so Gordon then went outside to the, the local grocery store and asked if they had seen Timmy there. They hadn't seen Timmy. He went to the pharmacy. They hadn't seen Timmy there. He asked his neighbors. They hadn't seen Timmy. He went to the local gas station. They still, they hadn't seen Timmy either. They were worried now. They went back to his room and they saw that he really hadn't taken much with him except the clothes that he had on and he took $3 from his savings. And so Gordon said, well, at least we know he hasn't left town. Let's wait a little bit longer. And so they waited and they waited, but around 8.30, they realized that Timmy wasn't going to show up. And so they went to the police station to file the report. 
while there at the police station, uh, the officer who was uh, taking down and writing down the information of, uh, of Timmy's uh, disappearance, as he's writing down the information, the police officer then just looks a little funny at Gordon. He says, so, uh, so what'd you do? So what'd you do? What did you do to make Timmy run away? And Gordon said, I, I, I didn't do anything. The police officer responded and said, yeah, that's, that's what they always say. <laughs> and um, the police officer continued writing about the report, and uh, he said, well, you know, listen, um, we're not able to actually file a report until 24 hours. The individual has to be, you know, disappeared for or gone at least for 24 hours before we file the report. So uh, go on back home, and if he doesn't show up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., give us a call, and then we'll we'll file the report. And Gordon said, "Well, you know, I, I, I didn't know that." And then the police officer's voice had just a certain amount of sarcasm in it. I don't know. See if you can pick it up. So Gordon tells him. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't know. And the police officer says, well, now you do. Pick it up just so. At that, something snapped inside Gordon. And he said, now you listen. At that, the police officer interrupted him, stopped what he was writing, and he said, no, you listen, mister. You treat that boy right, he's not going to run away from home. Now you go back home, and if you don't find him in the morning, then you call us. But come on, get out of here now. Poor Gordon. Just felt so deflated. He kind of just slouched back, went back home. What a week it's been for Gordon. On Monday at noon, he was on top of the world. Now he's lost his job. He's lost his money. He's lost his dignity. And now he can't even put a sarcastic cop in his place. So Gordon goes back home. It's a long night. Thursday morning, Timmy still isn't back, and so he calls the, the police, and, and um, he files the report with the police officer. And then he stops to think, and there's still something in his pocket. There's still something in his pocket, and he pulls it out. Mr. Augustus de Aquino. 2864 Gage Avenue. It's that letter. It's that letter is still in his pocket. If, if I had just gone ahead and if I had mailed that letter in the first place, none of this would have happened. And if I had gone through with mailing the letter, I could have gone through then with buying Timmy his bicycle. And then Timmy would still be here at home. But no, something had happened to Gordon when he had written that letter. So he put the letter back in his pocket. And shortly thereafter, the newspaper reporter called and they said, Mr. Nelson, we saw the report filed by the police officer that your, that your son is, is missing. Um, so what's behind it, Mr. Nelson? Well, nothing's behind it, he told the, the reporter. Are you sure, said the reporter? Come on, there must be something behind it. No, there's nothing behind it. Timmy's, Timmy's just at that age where boys kind of just get up and, and do things like that. And, and right as Gordon was about to hang up on the nosy reporter, Christina, his wife, as all good wives, all good wives do, isn't that right? 
as all good wives do, when she caught ear that Gordon was talking to the reporter, she said, Gordon, Gordon, no. Can you hear me? Gordon, no. Don't, don't hang up on him. Gordon, tell him everything. Tell him everything. Maybe he'll write up a, a report in the newspaper about Timmy. Maybe we can even give him some pictures and, and we can find Timmy that much faster. What a good wife Christina was, wasn't he? And so Gordon says, well, okay. He ended up telling the reporter the whole story. And as he finished telling the reporter the story, the reporter said, okay, Mr. Gordon, well, let me just get this straight then. Uh, You promised your boy a bike, then you lost your job, and you couldn't buy him a bike, and so he ran away. Yep, that sounds pretty good, Mr. Nelson. It's pretty good. Yeah, it sure does sound pretty good, doesn't it? And he hung, hung up the phone right then and there. He went out at noon to buy the paper, and sure enough, there was his story on the bottom of the first page with a mocking headline. Dad loses job, boy loses bike, dad loses boy. <laughs> Beautiful, Gordon said. Beautiful, just, just great, just great. Just like the Aquinos. how flattering. The following morning... Friday morning, he received a call from Alice Campbell from the advertising business. Gordon had spoken with him on Tuesday when he was job hunting, and, and, but at that, on Tuesday, Mr. Campbell just had been cold and impatient with him, and, but now he was warm, and he was friendly, and he said, hey, Gordon, Gordon, have you found your boy yet? No, I, I haven't. No, huh? Well, Gordon, I'm sorry to hear that, but hey, listen, you know, maybe this will make you feel better. I've, I've got a job for you. What do you say? Gordon said, well, that's a, that's a quick turnaround, uh, Mr. Campbell. I mean, just on Tuesday, you were pretty adamant about not having anything for me. And now, and Christina, like all good wives do, caught a glimpse that he was talking to Mr. Campbell, and Mr. Campbell was offering a job, and Christina comes, and, he's, and he looks at him, and he says, wonderful, take it. Yeah, wonderful Nothing. It's a job, but it's that darn newspaper story. It's because Timmy's missing, not because of me. Christina said, honey, it's okay. Take whatever he's offering. Take it, please. We need it. You can always say no later, but at least it's something right now. So Gordon covered the mouthpiece of the phone, and he said, I'll, I'll take whatever you've got, Mr. Campbell. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to take your head off. It's just the, you know, the strain, the whole situation. Perfect, Gordon. Well, you know, we ha- we'll have the job for you. Just come on in the first of the year. The job will be waiting for you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. With that, he hung up. And Christina afterwards told him, he said, she, she told him, uh, Gordon, I, I know how you feel, but, but it's okay. It's okay. Gordon says, no, but I, I know I could have gotten a job on my own. And Christina, like all good wives say, she says, Gordon, that's, that's the trouble, darling. That's the trouble. You think you can do everything on your own. Those words hit him, and he went back to the living room. He sat down, but he realized his wife was right. Hmm. His wife was right. Now, that was a novelty. Hmm. He hadn't wanted to go to the police. It seemed unnatural for Gordon Nelson to go to the police. It was, it was rather the police who had need of Gordon Nelson, the taxpayer. The same with the newspaper. What did he need of their cheap publicity, their sentimental exploitation of misfortunes? And, and by the way, you know how biased the liberal media is anyway, right? 
No. It was the newspaper that had need of him, Gordon Nelson, the reader, the subscriber. What did Gordon Nelson need of Alice Campbell or of Dunn & Smith or of any of the other advertising agencies? No, he was the one, the specialist, Gordon Nelson, who knew the secret combination of public words to make an an ad just jingle and, and make the business come flowing in. Gordon Nelson, he was the one who gave in life. He was the one who contributed to society. He was not the one who to receive. He was not Augustus D'Aquino. A person needing pity or charity. Ah, there it is again. That letter, that letter, that letter is the problem. He saw now why that letter was so important to all his problems. So he pulled the letter out of his pocket, the Diaquinos. A lot he cared for the Diaquinos the day that he wrote that letter. All he cared about was Gordon Nelson and no one else. For you see, for Gordon Nelson, it was more blessed for him to give than for others to receive. And so slowly he turned the letter over in his hand. Nothing but a little piece of paper. But it was stamped, wasn't it? Don't want to waste a forever stamp, do we? It was stamped. It was addressed. He might as well go ahead and mail it. He, he, after all, he did have a job now, right? Did have a job now, just as he had when he had written the letter. So it really made no difference. He could still be the giver. If he mailed it this morning, Augustus de Aquino would get it tomorrow just in time for Christmas. And then he thought, oh, no, wait. Timmy. Timmy's still missing. Timmy's still missing, and all he was thinking about was the Diaquinos in a basketball for John Diaquino. That's enough. That's enough. I've had it. He opens the letter, he opens the envelope. He pulls the letter out. He removes the $100 bill from the letter. He puts the letter back in the envelope. Then he tears the letter up. Throws it in the waste bin. At that moment, the phone rang. Closing his eyes, he said, Lord, please, please, please let it be Timmy. Please let it be Timmy. Gordon, Christina said. Gordon, it's Timmy. It's Timmy. He's all right. He's all right. He's been working on a tree farm on the edge of town. The police found him, and they're bringing him home right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We found Timmy. So it was about 1 p.m., around 1 p.m. when Timmy arrived, and, and boy, were they relieved to see him. And later that day, they were going through the the correspondence in the mail because of that newspaper article. Many people, many uh, people who lived in the city had sent letters of condolences and, you know, had different wishes. Some of the letters even had uh, money in it, five, tens, twenties, and fifties. And then he found a particular letter. He sat down in his chair. He opened it. And it said this, Dear Mr. Nelson, 
So many have been so kind to me. I have a job in a warehouse waiting for me when my legs heal. So many people have sent money and gifts for my little ones for Christmas. And I'm so happy for these friends. And then I read the newspaper and I saw your story. And so I'm sending you $100 to spend the way you'd like. But I hope that for Christmas, maybe, maybe for the little one's sake, you'll be able to buy him that bicycle so he'll come home. Signed, Augustus D'Aquino. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.